of God today? Can we just give Jesus some praise in the house for a moment? Lord, we glorify you. We bless your holy name. We are so grateful to be called your children and in the house of God. And we just thank you that your presence is in this place. Amen. Well, hey, my name is Michael Ott. If I've not had the pleasure of meeting you, I've been here at Freedom House since uh, 2014. And since 2015, it's been my my sincere honor and privilege to lead our Arrows Elementary students from kindergarten to fourth grade, planting the word of God in them, that next generation, the now generation, to do great and mighty things. But today, it's my honor to be with you as part of the teaching team. Yeah, and you're going, what did you do to the pastor? Nothing, I promise you, everything's fine with the pastor. But you see, it's something very unique to what we have here at Freedom House, and that is this, is that we have live communicators at all of our services. So therefore, no matter what campus you're at, if it's South End, if it's Lake Norman, if it's here at Central, you're gonna have a live communicator, someone who's been studying and preaching the word of God and that can sense the temperature in the room to deliver God's word to you just like you need to have it, amen? Amen, and so that's really important to understand and here's the thing, though, about our senior pastors, Pastor Troy and Pastor Penny Maxwell. Here's what I love about them. The vision that God has given them is not built on them. It's not built on their personality. You know what it's built on? The Word of God. And as long as it's built on the Word of God, then it has eternal ramifications and will go for eternity because it's not built upon a man and a woman. And what happens here at Freedom House, then there's a team that comes along and supports that vision and makes it come to pass. And you those of you that are serving and volunteering on our dream team, you're part of making that vision come to pass. Turn to everyone and say, come on, let's do this thing. Come on. Amen. So I would love for us to give honor where honor is due. We have some tremendous, let me tell you, I've been around a lot of pastors. We have some tremendous pastors that lead us and guide us. Could we give honor to Pastor Troy, Pastor Penny Maxwell for their bold leadership? I, I need them. I need them in my life for what they speak into me. Amen. And we all need them. Amen. So we want to honor them and serve them well. But I also want to give honor to our, our campus pastors, to uh, Pastor Stephanie and Aaron Blanton. Would you please stand up if you would, please? If you're new to the church... Um, you're kicking the tires, kind of checking it out, got questions. Would you please see them at the end of the service? There are wonderful, wonderful leaders here. We had a great time Wednesday night leading our, our leadership team, answering some tough questions of where we stand as a church, how we're gonna move forward in this culture that we're in. Excellent leadership. If you just spend some time, talk with them, get to know them, they're gonna answer all your questions for you. And then one last thing, and that is, I wanna welcome all of our live streamers that are joining us today. And because, you see, I gotta wear glasses to see that, and I can't. But then I can't wear glasses to see this. So I got a little cheat sheet. All right. So for all of you live streamers out there from Nevada, California, Michigan, Indiana, West Virginia, Florida, Virginia, North Carolina, Maine, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Washington, and Ohio, thank you for joining us. Let's give them a great big hand. Awesome. And we trust that the same presence that is in this room is in your room wherever you are, all right? Amen. And so one little last piece of housekeeping, and that is this. Um, for all of our men, we got men in the house today? Let me hear some men. 
You already know about it. Just want to remind you, uh, Friday, September 8th is our Strong Men One Night that is coming up. We want to encourage you to register, to sign up on that so we can plan accordingly. But today, we've got a little extra motivation for you because I understand there's a table out in the lobby that's got a dartboard and darts. Ooh, nice. Something dangerous. Okay. And so here's the thing, right? So if you will, if you haven't registered yet, if you will register today for that one night, we're going to give you three darts. And if you can get yourself a bullseye, we're going to give you a free raffle ticket, a free raffle ticket. And see, that raffle ticket's going to be put in a drawing because we're going to be giving away some guns with an S. We're going to be giving away some knives with an S. And if you will go and do that today, you have at least one raffle ticket as long as you get the bullseye already uh, being able to be used as part of this raffle here. You might win something if you just sign up today. So make sure you do that. Wives, make sure you, uh, you take them out there and just say, I bet you can't. I bet you can't. That's all you need to say. I bet you can't. And we'll find out what happens from there. All right. If you would, please say this after me. Say, I have eyes that see. I have ears that hear. I have a bright and wonderful mind to remember. I have a spirit to receive, and I have a will to obey the word of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much to be in your house today with these people that love you. We thank you for your presence in this house today, and we thank you for your word that is everlasting, that brings life and blessing and correction and healing and stability and faith and so much more into our lives today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Speak to us, into our hearts, exactly what we need to hear today that will encourage us and that will strengthen us to serve you with everything that is within us. In the name of Jesus, everybody said. Amen. So we've been in the series here since June, and the series is this, What Does the Bible Say About? Have you been enjoying it? Yes, it's been a great series. We're getting a spattering of all kinds of different topics. Very good. And so today, we're going to continue that series. But today, we're going to be, What Does the Bible Say About? And we're going to talk about training our children to fight. As the parents roll their eyes saying, look, I'm trying to get my kids not to fight, right? But I'm not talking about that kind of fight. I'm talking about how to fight spiritual battles because the battle is real. I know you know it. I know you know it as parents. But let me tell you something. The enemy has made it clear and queer. He is coming for our children. He is coming for our children. And we need to teach our children how to stand, how to resist, how to know what truth is and what truth isn't. So they can reject one and walk in the other. Amen? Amen. So I want you to turn, if you would, please, to Psalm 127, verse 4. And as we're doing, I'm going to get... Oh, they told me that... Okay, thank you. All right. Sorry, got to get my stuff together here. Got to be ready to go, ready to roll. Okay, so I got a little object lesson. We're going to go to that. I got my water here. Mm -hmm. We're ready to roll. Okay, are you ready? Come on, here we go. Psalm 127, verse four. It is a theme verse that we use in our arrows classroom, in fact. That's why we call them arrows. And this verse is a reference to it. It says this, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children's of one's youth, okay? Now, I don't know if you realized it or caught that, but the psalmist just called your child, that cute little bouncy baby boy, just called him uh, an arrow. It's not a toy, it is a weapon, right? And you know what a dirty diaper's like as a weapon too, right? That's pretty nasty. But he just called them a weapon. You see, you and I as parents, we have this responsibility of shaping and training these little arrows to fashion them, to get them pointed in the right direction. And whether you're a grandparent, extended family members, aunts and uncles, teachers, coaches, mentors. You know what? We all, we all have a role in supporting training these children as well. And just in case you think this message is not for me, do we have any children of God in the house? Do we have any children of God in the house? Say, this applies. This applies to me. So listen, 
If you've been to Freedom House for any length of time, it does not take you long to realize that there's a spirit of fight on this house of this congregation, right? I like to say there's a spirit of pushback. What do I mean by that? I mean this, meaning we're not going to lay down and be bullied into silence. Come on. We're not going to shrink back from speaking the truth that is found and has been given to us in the word of God. Now, please understand, as I'm talking today, I am not talking about physical violence, not at all, but I am talking about uh, a battle here that we need to understand, because you see, I'm talking about the righteous fight for truth, and why is this important? Because there are souls, there are people's lives that are hanging in the balance, and look, I'm not just talking about the lost, I'm talking about our own children, I'm talking about our own truth, and why? Because both need to see, both have to hear that the truth us adults believe in in God's word is worth standing up for. It's worth fighting for. It's worth being called names for. It's worth being mocked for. It's worth being canceled for. It's worth being filled in the blank for. Now, I know that might make some of us feel uncomfortable, that kind of talk, right, about fighting. I get it. I really do. You see, my natural disposition, my temperament is not one that says, oh, confrontation. I'll gladly do that. (laughs) No, I'm more of the, okay, I'm going to watch, I'm going to observe, I'm going to find a diplomatic route to get to the end result instead of get into the fight, right? I understand that. You see, as a child, I learned how to um, walk lightly, shall I say. It's easy for me to mess up. But anyway... um, I had to walk on eggshells, so to speak, in my home. And I had to do that as a child in order to avoid physical and uh, mental abuse, emotional abuse, okay? Because I never knew when the backhand was coming or the kick, right? And I worked, and and that was great for me as a kid. You see, it was a great um, coping mechanism as a child. But as learned as an adult, it doesn't work well for me especially as a Christian, it doesn't work well. You see, this is what I love about being underneath our pastors, Pastor Troy and Penny Maxwell. You see, because of what they pour in us week in and week out, the guest speakers that they bring in, our teaching team, I love it because you see what's happening, and I hope you recognize it too, because what they speak into us, what is spoken into me, is something better. It brings out something stronger. It brings something out more spiritual. It brings something better than my natural disposition. Can you say amen? Amen. And that's why... In the fall of 2021, I realized this fight has got to get into our children. They've got to learn how to stand up, to know the difference between the truth and a lie. So they do not swallow everything that an authority would say into their life. So very important, okay? And so um, what we did is I felt impressed to teach our kids about authority, I'm going to start teaching our kids about authority. They have authority in Jesus' name. They don't have to take this garbage from the enemy and these lies that are being spoken in the mind. So I'm going to start there. So what we did is we did this, this little skit. Now, because I'm Pastor Michael, I get to be the good guy, okay? Then my, my good friend Christian, he was the bad guy, okay? So we have this, this little skit, right? And he's over there being the bad guy. And so what I do is I, I come walking in and I catch him in the act and say, hey, you, stop that. You shouldn't be doing that. And then he turns around, he looks at me, and he sizes me up, and he says, who are you? And he goes on his way. I say, cut, stop right there, boys and girls. We got a problem, don't we? I said, but watch. We're going to do the same scene again, slightly different. Watch what happens now. So I walk up, I catch him in the egg. Hey, you, stop that. You shouldn't be doing that. Again, he turns, he looks at me, he sizes me up, and he says, who are you? And he turns around. But then this time, I do something a little different. I reach in my pocket, and I pull out this, and I say, hey, I said stop. And he turns around, and he sees this. He sees this badge right here. And he, he, he just fumbles and runs and falls apart and runs off the stage, and all the kids are laughing, and they're having a good time. And I say to the boys and girls, listen, why did he do that? Why did he, what was different? Why did he run away? Because he recognized authority. 
He recognized authority. That's why he ran. You see, authority means what? It means the legal right to give orders and enforce obedience. You see, the badge gives the officer the legal right to enforce obedience to the law. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says it like this. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. You've got great name, great power in that name of Jesus. And we need to be using that name often because it has been gifted to you. It is delegated authority given to you as a child of the living God. Use that name to your advantage. And so ever so often, what I'll do is I'll, I'll tell the boys and girls, you know what, boys and girls? It's not about this badge, but Jesus is your badge of authority. And the enemy has to submit to that name because that's the name, Jesus, who defeated the devil on the cross of Calvary and, and just defeated the enemy. So look, here's what I do. Every few weeks, I'll pull out the badge, maybe Dorian announces, boys and girls, what's this? And they'll shout, authority. And I'll say, okay, and in whose name do you have authority? In Jesus' name. And then I'll say, what do you have authority over? Sickness, what else? Fear, what else? Confusion, what else? Nightmares, and the list goes on and on. And they're learning to use their authority. I've got proof. You see, last year, in uh, June of last year, we had what we call our Arrows 10 on 1. We do this three to four times a year. What is that? We've got 10 Arrow students, usually somewhere between the ages of 6 to 11, that will give a one-minute message. Now, this one-minute message has to be real to them. It's something that, that they've experienced in their, their short life with God how he's either answered a prayer, how he has revealed something in scripture, how he has given them a, a word through a poem, through a song or something. And then it has to have a scripture that's a part of it for, uh, for a foundation and scriptural foundation. And so they go through this training and go through all this stuff to get their one minute message ready. And then on that day, they will actually deliver a one minute message to the boys and girls. Well, I want you to hear a portion of a one-minute message from an eight-year-old boy in the second grade. Listen to what he said. That night, when I woke up from the dream I had, I used my spiritual authority to declare in the name of Jesus, stop. You see, he was experiencing nightmares that was harassing him. And he said, I did that three times. The first two times, I was still remembering the nightmare. I was feeling scared, but after the third time, I didn't really remember it that much, and I stopped being scared. I learned that using my spiritual authority can help me to live without fear and win spiritual battles. I learned that with God, you always win. Eight-year-old boy. Learning to use his authority in the name of Jesus. I say, look, boys and girls, it's great for you. You want to climb in. You want to snuggle in with mom and dad. I get it. Okay, that's great. You should go to mom and dad. But you know what I tell them? You don't have to wait. What if mom and dad's not there? What if mom's hiding in the bathroom, you know? Like, get me away from these kids, right? You know, you don't have to. You're laughing because it's true. My mom used to do that. Only my mom in the summer, she'd kick us out the door. I grew up in the country. She said, don't come back till lunch. What if we have to use the bathroom? Find a leaf. Uh, she just <laughs> locked the door and we, we, uh, we were on our own, man. Climbing trees, swinging on vines, going in caves, getting into all kinds of stuff. But, but anyway, where was I? And so anyway, um, so, so, so um, eight-year-old. Thank you, yeah. I, I just went, whoo, so anyway, here's what we do. In our arrows class, we like to also, when, they're, um, when we do our arrows 10 on one, what we do is also like to teach them how important it is uh, to understand what it is to be an arrow. Well, what does that actually mean, right? And so we teach them what it is to be an arrow. So what we did is we go back to Psalm 127, verse 4 here today, and I'm going to include verse 5, and we're going to be reading it from the Passion Translation because it gives the contextual meaning of what is actually this verse is saying. Listen to what it says. Children born to a young couple will one day rise to protect and provide for their parents. And all the parents said? Amen. Amen. Happy will be the couple who has many of them. And all the parents said? 
Uh, maybe. <laughs> anyway, a house full of children will not bring you to shame or shame on your name, but victory when you face your enemies. For your offspring will have influence and honor to prevail on your behalf. Look, what's that verse talking about? Just like arrows defend a warrior against his enemies, so will your children, should your children grow up to provide and defend and protect you as their parents in, their old, in your older years of life. They're there to defend you so that people are not taking advantage of you, right? Your children are there to see that you are safe and well taken care of. But I want you to understand something. That's not the only thing that scripture calls for us to defend and protect. If we take a look at Jude chapter 1, verse 3, listen to what it says. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and all entrusted to God's holy people. You see, that word there, contend, if you dig into the Greek, means to wrestle. It's an it's a athletic word. And that there's this wrestle that we experience when it comes to the faith in order to keep the faith. And why was he doing that? Because there were false teachers coming into the church that were perverting the word of grace so that they could continue to live immoral lives. And Jude is exhorting the believers, not the pastoral steam, the believers to stand up and to fight back and defend the truth. Call it out when it's not true so that we can understand what is true. So in short, to be an arrow, what does it mean? It means to be a defender and a protector of both family and the truth of God's word. Time for the object lesson. You see, I brought myself an arrow here today. You see, the purpose of every arrow is what? Would you agree it's to hit a target, right? That's the purpose of an arrow, to hit a target. So what is our target? Well, with the kids, I like to keep it really simple. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, and we are God's masterpiece. He has created us, created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he's planned for us long ago. You see what your target is? It's doing good. Turn to your neighbor and say, do good. You see, that's your target. It's doing good. Every time you pray for someone, what are you doing? You're doing good. You're hitting your target. Every time you, um, you, you feed the hungry, you clothe the naked, what are you doing? You're doing good. Any time that you are standing up, defending and protecting your parents, boys and girls, you know what you're doing? You're doing good. Any time that you speak the truth of God's word and you clean it up from error, you know what you're doing? You are doing good. You're hitting your target. This is what it means to be an arrow. But I have a question to ask you. Are these arrows fulfilling their purpose? No, not yet. You see, you like an arrow? See, you have a purpose in life. You have a destiny to fulfill. You have a target to hit. But are these arrows hitting their target? No. Listen. As long as these arrows stay inside this quiver, you know what? They will never fulfill their destiny. They will never realize or fulfill their purpose. They will never hit their target. So let me ask you this. What good is an arrow that stays in the quiver? Nine, nix, negative, none, zero, nothing, nada. It's no good. As long as it stays there, it's not fulfilling its purpose. Why? Because an arrow has never been designed to stay in its quiver. It's meant to be released so that it can hit its target. This is the purpose of an arrow. Listen, church, so very, very important. As long as we stay inside the church, as long as we stay inside our quiver. If we never get involved, we never speak up, we never take a stand like an arrow, we will never fulfill our purpose if we stay inside that quiver. God has not called us to occupy a seat at church. He's called us to be released in this world, to hit our target, to do good in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because there are lost souls, people without hope that need to know the hope we have and, and the, the relationship that we have with God. We need to do this. Listen, if we as parents 
extended family members and body of believers do not stand for our faith, how will our children ever learn to stand and fight for theirs? Let me say that one more time. If we as parents, extended family members, and a body of believers do not stand up for our faith in this day, in this hour, tell me, how will our children ever learn to stand and fight for theirs? You see, what we call the now generation, they're watching us. What do they see in your lives? What do they see when we're in church? When we worship, do they see any passion for God or are our hands just kind of down in our pockets? I mean, when it comes to prayer, do our kids hear any kind of confidence, any authority that is coming from those words? Do our kids, when they hear the word of God, do they see us responding to it? Do they see life change coming? Hey, son, daughter, I've missed it, but the word of God has corrected me. This is what we're going to do now in our family because of what God's word says. Are our kids seeing that? They need to see that in our lives. Now, how many of you have ever heard this statement before? There's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that before. Wow, not very many. That's good. I'm gonna share it to you. Here's the reason why we say that, especially in children's ministry. We want people to understand this. The same spirit that fills you, mom and dad, the same spirit that fills the man and the woman of God is the same spirit that fills our children. There's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. Why do we say that? Because we want to help moms and dads and adults understand that God is not limited by the age, by the size, by the knowledge of the believer. All he requires is simple childlike faith to believe and to trust as, as outlined in Mark chapter 10 verse 14. But I, I have come to a greater revelation of why it's important to understand there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. You know what it is? Because there's no such thing as a junior devil. There is no such thing as a junior evil spirit. And I said it earlier, the enemy's making it clear and queer. He is coming for our children. And that's why we must not only teach our children, but we must train our children. We're going to dig into that a little bit here next. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says this. It's a verse many of us as parents know and understand. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. We love to quote this scripture as a promise that our kids will never walk away. But understanding Proverbs, it's speaking about wisdom and how wisdom generally works in the lives of people. This verse, I know we quote it that way, but it's not exactly a 100% guarantee, right, that our kids would follow the Lord because they always have what? Choice. And God won't take that away, all right? Now, I don't mean to make you nervous in the service because I want you to understand something. Every word that has been deposited in their heart that God is going to be good on that word. You know, my favorite, my favorite verse, one of them, Isaiah 55, 10, and 11, for even as the rain and the, sun and, the, and the snow fall from the heavens and water the earth, and I'm, you know, paraphrasing it all, but basically says this, God will see to it that his word does not return void. Everything you've planted in your children, keep watering that seed. Keep watering it. Keep believing it. Keep speaking it. Keep confessing it. No matter what it looks like on the outside, no matter what choice that they have made, keep speaking the word of God and watch God back up his word because it will produce everything for which it is sent. This verse, though, here's what it it's really getting at. It speaks to the fact that if you will diligently and thoroughly train your children, keeping in mind their strengths and weaknesses, the way that they learn best, it's saying that um, they will seldom stray from the training even as adults. Another way to say it is like this. It speaks to the fact that it's much easier to train children than it is to untrain adults. Mm-hmm. That's why in Kids Mid, we like to say it's better to prepare lives than it is to repair lives. Yeah. Now, notice, I want you to notice what it says in this passage here, the very first word. It says train. It does not say teach. Okay? Listen. Teaching is when you help me to learn about something. 
But training is when you help me howl to do something. When you teach me, you tell me. When you train me, you show me. Listen to me. It's not enough. It's not enough to teach our children about the things of God. We must train our children in doing the things of God. Do you see the difference? Now, this word train, if you get into the Hebrew on it, this is what it actually means. It means to dedicate, like a building to its purpose. And you're like, how does that apply to kids? Think of it like this. If you're going to build a house or if you're going to build a life, don't you have to be very intentional? Yes, you do. I mean, if you're going to build a house, right, what's the first thing you need to do? You need to count the cost. And I'm not just talking about do we have enough money. I'm talking about are you going to stay committed to what you started so that you finish it? That's what it means to count the cost. That if you're going to make this choice and decision, I'm going to see it through to the end. No matter what happens, this thing is going to get done. And that's what you're going to do when you're building the house. But the next thing you're going to do is you're going to get an architect. Why? Because you want blueprints. You want detail. You're not going to just draw something on a napkin and say, yeah, let's do this. Let's put a little extension on the side there. Hey, there we go. That's my house. No, that ain't going to fly. Why do you want a blueprint? I'll tell you why. Because you want clear vision. Clear vision. You know exactly what you want, how much of you want, where you want it, what color it's going to be. Detailed. Clear vision. Then the next thing, you're going to get contractors. People can actually put it together. But you're not going to get just any Joe contractor out there. Some guy off the side of the street holding the side, I need work, you know, and I'm good with electrical things. You're not going to hide. No, 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 no. You're going to look for someone that's got some certification, it's got some training, got some experience, someone who has a knowledge of the code, that they're going to do things according to code. Why? Because it's your house. And I don't want electrical defects. I don't want plumbing to go upstairs in the second floor that come down in my living room, right? I'm going to make sure it's done to code. So you just don't hire any jack of all trades. And then you know what happens next? Inspections, Right? The inspectors come. They got to check that pipe in in the plumbing. They got to check that electrical wiring. And they look at it and they expect. And if it's not code, you know what they do? (laughs) Sorry, tear it out. Do it again. See, what does an inspector do? They inspect, correct, inspect, correct, inspect, correct. And you will keep going through that process until it is right. And then finally, after you go through all of that, finally comes the day When everything from the foundation to the cap on the chimney top, the house is ready to be dedicated for its purpose, for what it has been designed for. You see, this is the kind of training Proverbs 22, 6 is talking about. The training is what? It is intentional. It's detailed. It's skilled. It's inspected. It's corrected, inspected, and corrected, and inspected, and corrected until finally that thing is absolutely what it should be. And you don't move from one inspection to another until this one is my son, my daughter. You got it. Okay, we can move on to the next one right now. This is the kind of training we want to give our kids. You see, listen, training your children will be the greatest achievement of your life. One hand clap. Wow. Now, really, it really is because everything else on this earth will remain here. But when you put it into your children, it's the only thing you'll be able to take into eternity. Everything else will stay. But when you build a life and you build it right, you can take them with you to heaven as they have been trained to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ and to know him and to serve him all the days of their life. Yes, amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Paul is nearing the end of his life and his ministry. And he says this to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I have, actually he wrote it, but he says, I have fought the good fight I finished the race. I have kept the faith. You see, we need to train our children to do what? To fight the good fight. Yeah. Why? Because, why? Because like Paul, so they can keep the faith. If you notice, it says there, I had to fight the good fight in order to keep the faith. 
fighting for, protecting, and defending what you believe is necessary for keeping the faith. It really is. If you could see statistics today of where Gen Z is and compared to where the boomers are, it is shocking of how many have a Christian biblical world view. So incredibly important that we teach them how to keep the faith. But here's the deal. It's a good fight, mom and dad. It's a good fight because it's a righteous fight and it's a fight that we win. Amen? It is a fight we win. Now listen, I want to give you five scriptures that's going to help you on your way in training your children to fight this fight, to fight the good fight of faith. Scripture number one, let's train them who the real enemy is. First Peter 5, 8, listen to what it says. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, there it is, the real enemy, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now look, whenever I'm teaching the kids about the devil, I make sure the kids understand he is a defeated foe. There is nothing you need to be afraid of. Jesus put him under our feet at the cross, and we enforce that through our authority in the name of Jesus. But sometimes he doesn't act like he knows any better, and we gotta tell him, stop in the name of Jesus. You don't need to be afraid. You have everything you need to put him in his place. All right? Number two, Let's train them how to use the armor of God. Kids love dressing up, right, in the armor. But let's take the time to train them on what each piece means and how you need to apply it in your life when you are experiencing thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. How does this helmet protect us, right? How does the breastplate of righteousness protect us from those fiery darts, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, right? The belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel of peace. What do these mean? How can I walk in these? It says in Ephesians 6, 10, and 11, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. Why? So that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Don't leave any of it off. When my kids were really young, we used to sing a song called Put on the Armor of God every day to school. My kids tell me, I remember we used to sing that song every day, reminding them that there is a battle, but that you can win this battle because you've got Jesus in you and on you and in working through you. Number three, let's train them how to use the scriptures as the final authority. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, and I love the way it says it here in the New Living Testament. It says this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Ooh, I thought I go to the word of God to make myself feel good, right? No, 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 no. It goes on to say it corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. If something in your life, in your heart, in your mind does not line up with the word of God, realign yourself, repent, And come in alignment with God's word. Boys and girls, sons and daughters, you must know that this is God's truth. It does not change. He does not waver. Don't listen to what culture says and what they try to tell you what their version of truth is. This is the truth. This is the standard. And this is what we're going to live by in this house. Amen. Number four. Let's train them how to pray using the power of agreement. Sure, you can all pray, but there's multiplied power. Multiplied power when we pray together in agreement. Matthew 18, 19. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Amen. Great assurance. We can have confidence in those verses. Number five. Let's train them to glorify God and silence the enemy through the power of praise. You see, Psalm 8 verse 2 says it like this. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Have you ever wondered what that verse is really talking about? Here's what it means. It means when you have a little infant, let's just say two-ish, that's singing worship songs. They really don't know what, they understand what they're doing. 
But because of their pureness and their innocence, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren, can't attack them because of their innocence. You see, when you and I come to church, why are you lifting your hands? You just swore at your wife before you came into church, right? Why are you worshiping God? You've got a raunchy attitude. Why? Are, how can you do that? You acting all spiritual like that. You see, the enemy will attack you in your thoughts and try to pull you down. He can't do that to an innocent little babe. You know what it literally means? The devil's like, I got nothing. I can't accuse them. They don't even know right from wrong. They've done nothing wrong yet. And so when they praise him, God inhabits that praise and establishes his strength. And the enemy's like, I got nothing to say. He cannot do anything with that because of the greatness of our God. God takes what is weak and makes it strong. Whatever weakness you have, it doesn't matter because it's not about you. It is about God inside of you. He is your strength and he receives all that glory and all that honor. So don't, like, like Paul says, you boast in your weakness. Why? Because God gets glory through my weakness. Don't look at your weakness. In fact, don't even look at your strength. Just look at your God. Look at your God, and he will see you through everything you need to go through. Listen, when I'm talking about this, I want you to understand, when we, especially fighting and things like that, I always tell the boys and girls, look, we're going to pray, we're going to stand, but then we're going to praise. We're going to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We're not going to be fixated on the devil, on what he's doing, and all that kind of stuff. You know why? Because he wants the attention. He's wanted the attention ever since the beginning of time when he exalted himself in the heavenlies above God because he was filled with pride, and he wanted that attention. He wanted that praise. We're not going to give that to him. We're going to put him in his place, and then we're going to worship God, and we're going to say, God, you are my deliverer. You are my great and mighty tower. You are my stronghold. I thank you that you fight my battles, that you go before me, and you defeat the enemy me in my life and we praise and we worship the Lord our God I'm not talking about raising militant kids that are looking for evil spirits under every rock far from it but I am talking about in life when you see something say something I know that phrase is used for something else but take advantage when you see something of a spiritual nature take place. Explain it to your kids. Do you understand what's going on here? Do you know why these two people are yelling like that? Is it really them or is there something more behind? What's God's word say? That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual weakness in high places and rulers of darkness. Hmm, son, daughter, who's the real enemy here? Where is the real problem? Let's pray right? And teach them how to understand and recognize those things. Why? So that when they encounter it, they're not caught off guard. They know, oh, I know what this is. I know, because I know the truth. And I also know the enemy. And I know, and I understand. Wow. And you can train your children how to stand strong against all the attacks and the wiles of the enemy. In closing today, I want to just pump your heart with some faith, especially the mom's those that are mothers-to-be, those are longing to become a mother. I wanna put some faith inside of you here today. And I want you to take courage. That means you gotta say, that's mine. Take courage today. Because in Exodus chapter one, we find the story of a Hebrew mother by the name of Jochebed, who dem demonstrated an important key for raising children in difficult times. Would you say we've got some difficult times? Yeah. But you're not going to find what you're looking for in Exodus 1. But if you will jump to the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, okay, you're going to find something amazing about Jochebed. Look at chapter 11, verse 23, what it says. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months? You mean it wasn't by fear? Fear of being found out? Say by faith. Say by faith. One more time, by faith. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. For they saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. I love that. 
You see, the children of Israel at this time were oppressed. They were enslaved by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And Pharaoh issued a new decree that every Hebrew baby boy was to be killed and thrown into the Nile. How would you like to be living in that day? You see, for the Israelites, freedom was dead. Evil was the norm, and the government endorsed murder. That's the day they were living in. Talk about a terrible, horrible time to raise a family, right? But I want you to understand something. Jacob had faith. Jacob had faith. You see, her faith was in this. My God is bigger than Pharaoh and his decrees. You see, every decision Jochebed made for after the birth of her son, it was a decision rooted and grounded in faith. Like Hebrews eleven twenty three said, she hid him in faith. She formed a basket in faith. She put him in the Nile by faith. And she even disobeyed the Pharaoh's decree all by faith. She never once acted out of fear. You see, here's the key for the day and the hour in which we live. And that is this. Faith is the glue that will hold you and your family together in difficult times. Don't shrink back from the dream that God has given you about a family. Because that is godly seed that has purpose to rise up, the, to realize their destiny, to do something great for the kingdom of God in this hour. And it's to put the devil under our feet where he belongs so that the light will outshine the darkness in these days. You see, in other words, we cannot make a decision for our families because we're afraid of the influence of a culture or we're afraid of the indoctrination of the school system or we're afraid of the legislation from a government. Let every decision be one of faith and of trust for God, that God speaks to you rooted and grounded in his word for you and your family. Knowing this, that you and your family have been placed on the face of this earth for such a time as this. God did not make a mistake. He is not caught off guard. He has, he has given you everything you need to walk a life of victory, to fulfill your purpose, to realize your destiny, to hit your target, you and your children. One last thought I want you to realize. In the darkest of days, here is Jacobed's legacy. She raised one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known in her son, Moses. She raised the very first high priest in her oldest son, Aaron. And she raised the first prophet and worship leader in Miriam. All three of her children fulfilled their God-given destiny. In darkness, in terrible times. Jochebed decided, and I hope you will as well. Jochebed decided, Pharaoh does not get to determine my child's future. Neither does our culture, nor our schools, nor our government. Because as for me and my house, as for me and your house, we will serve the Lord God Almighty. Yes. Yes. We will serve. Come on. I'm going to ask the husband and wives just to grab hands. Stay standing, please. Husband and wives, I just want to pray over you. You are in a unique time in history. But God's plan for you is good, and it always has been. And it is a plan for victory that will embarrass the enemy because of the faith and what God's going to do in and through you. I want to pray for you today. I want you to release your faith. I want you to be like Jochebed and put your faith in God. He will not fail you. He will not leave you. He is with you. And he's ready to demonstrate and show himself strong on your behalf. Father, I pray for these parents that are here today. Father, I thank you that nothing in our culture in this hour has caught you off guard. You are not surprised. You are not worried because you know what you're about to do in these families and in these homes, in these children. I thank you, Father, that 
These people here walk with their faith towards you. That fear has no place in their lives, Father. But they, they get a word from God and they stand on it. And they will not back off for them and for their children. I thank you for the spirit of victory. The spirit of faith. The spirit of overcoming every obstacle in this hour. So that you receive glory. That you receive honor. And that you receive praise. And we don't look to our weakness. We don't look at our what lack we have. We look for you. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that will fill that gap. That when we count on the Holy Spirit to give us divine strategies over our families to protect them and to grow them that they will fulfill their destiny and their purpose and hit their target in life. We thank you that you're doing it in these families, Father God. You have not brought us this far to let us down. No, you haven't. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for confidence in each and every one of us that we look to you and knowing that you're taking care of us and our kids we have nothing to fear all we need is faith in you and with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place maybe you've never placed your faith in the lordship of Jesus Christ as your personal lord and savior maybe you've been in a fight but you've been fighting against God and not for him. You've been running. There's been people praying for you, mothers and fathers, others, and you've pushed them back and you're resisting it. But I'm here to tell you, God loves you so much. He's got so much for you. If you will but surrender, I know you will not be disappointed because therein you will find everything not only that you long for, but everything that God has designed you for, that you've been searching for, that you've been trying to fill with other things. And he's here in this place today to love, to forgive. But we've got to do our part first. He took the first step. Now it's our time, turn to take the second step. And that is to humble ourselves and say, God, forgive me of my sin. Wash it away and be my Lord and Savior. If that's you today, I'm going to count to three. If that's you, you want to accept Jesus in your life. Or maybe, maybe you've walked away from the things of God and you're coming back. Or maybe you're just not sure and you want to make sure. That's okay. You raise your hand too. One, two, three. Thank you. Raise that hand up high so God can see it. Thank you. Yes, I see those hands. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for your honesty before God. You will never regret it anymore. Thank you so very much. Let's pray this prayer together with them. Would you say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your great love for me. So much so that you sent Jesus, your son, to die in my place. I deserve death. But Jesus loves me and died in my place so that I could have eternal life. I open the door of my heart. I say, Jesus, come in. Save me. Cleanse me. And make me a brand new person who loves you and who will surrender their life to you to follow you and to know you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give thanks to God today, please?